Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. My recommendation to everyone that you need to really put your physical and psychological health first, no matter what you do. I think you need to prioritize sleep. I think you need to prioritize your diet to some extent and what's good for you. And again, everyone's going through the same thing you are and, and no one knows what they're doing, but it's tough. And, um, but if you're unable to connect with others, people will want a feeling connection. They often use substances to connect with that. That's why they're called spirits and alcohol or drugs or whatever. It's just part of it. And it's probably always been going on, but, and then some self-medicate and all sorts of things. And that's just how people deal with it. And, but that's always not the answer. Most of the answer, by the way, comes through to all these problems, whether it's feeling depressed or sad or, or angry is figuring out groups and things that you can be part of that will give you some sort of connection with others is really the crux of most types of self-help. If someone has a drug or alcohol problem, they go to rehab and the rehab is basically sitting around with others talking about your feelings or they go to AA or NA or because you sit around with others and you connect with others and it's it's being with others that a lot of times will help you. And, and in terms of with, for an attorney, it can be being part of different groups or different interests and things outside of work. And that can help. This is just people drinking too much, substance abuse. It's a big deal. I would say the number is over 20% of just alcohol, but most people that have these issues do not get help. And the time that it requires to go to groups, the other things is often a lot. And so people don't do that or they feel that they don't want to expose themselves and be vulnerable because they're in the legal market. You're with clients, you're portrayed as being in control and understanding everything and being in a a position of power and how would you possibly be willing to let your guard down and talk about issues that you have. There's articles all the time. If you just search for attorneys dying of substance abuse problems, if you search every time the people getting disbarred, always getting disbarred for doing things under the influence of substances. And, and there's always articles about attorneys dying from this. I have been contacted this times by for quotes and things about this. This is just an attorney from Cooley Godward, which is a great firm. There's nothing wrong with the firm. It's just this is lawyers facing heavy workloads and conflicts with the value system suitable when they enter law school and they may use drugs or alcohol to cope. Um, they suffer disproportionately higher rates of mental health issues, which may provide access to subscription drugs. And I don't know. Anyway, but this is just a study not too long ago. It's more than one in five, five lawyers sell that drugs or alcohol. And three to four, three out of four reported that the hard use started after law school, which is interesting. You would think that it would be college and things, but it's law school. And a lot of people have excessive workloads and intense competition and with like-minded perfectionists lead to long hours of study and create a lot of stress. I had a funny experience when I was in law school. I was, I don't know, I was studying with a friend of mine and I was taking a break with him so he could go outside and smoke. And I didn't smoke, but I was, I told him, I know something that's supposed to really help you study. And, and he said, what, Prozac? And I said, no. I was thinking of like, a, I don't know, it was vitamin D or something or some sort of thing to keep you awake or give you more energy. And, and he'd come from Harvard and a lot of his friends had gone to Harvard Law School and he said that, Everyone that he knew and the and that he'd gone to Harvard with and had gone there was using it to help them study, which I'm assuming now it would be people use ADD type drugs are and things. But it, it can it could create a lot of and I'm not suggesting anyone use these things. I'm just saying, but it can create a lot of addictions and, and people often will turn to alcohol and drugs and things to help them study. And then the pressure to work can be very difficult. You need to work even when you don't want to work. And it's a very 
hard profession for a lot of people. One thing I would say, and I, I really want to make this clear because I do think it's important. People, a lot of people use drugs and alcohol and other things and they use them excessively. I would, the most successful attorneys, and I want to make this very clear, the very most successful attorneys and the ones that have the most long-term success are often don't fall victim to any of this. They're able to control things in a way that I don't, they're able to get energy from exercise and diets and things as opposed to resulting to these things. And so I would say that a lot of this stuff is a trap. It looks good, but it often in the long run is not going to work. And, and I think that's an important point to understand that the people that rely on all these crutches. And now, I'm not saying that if you have a medical problem or, or some chemical imbalance, you shouldn't be doing certain things or you really, but you have to be very careful with all this because again, like I, I encounter and work with very successful attorneys that have built very good practices in the tens of millions of dollars. And almost without a doubt, those people are not, they don't have serious substance abuse issues or anything. So it's just something to understand that even though it looks like a, a good way to get things done in the short term, it always ends up backfiring because most of the time you crash from it or it just gets you, it's just not, it's not worth it. And it's not going to, you can't do it in the long run. Again, this is alcohol addiction, which is just one thing is between 15 and 24%. The problem, and I don't want to get too much into it, but the problem with most substances and alcohol is really one of them. And I, this is a a webinar about you succeed in practice law, but I do want to make it pretty clear is alcohol, if for most people is ultimately a very addictive substance. And uh, same thing with cotton, which, you know, everyone knows is extremely addictive. It's Harrison, but it's heroin, not Harrison, but crystal meth, cocaine, all these substances are ultimately addicting. And alcohol is the same way, even though it's a legal drug, eventually, if you use anything enough, your body becomes dependent on it, your mind becomes dependent on it. So these are things all to be very careful of. And just to realize that using these substances to cope will ultimately often backfire. And this is just alcohol. Again, there are plenty of people that use alcohol responsibly. My girlfriend, for example, for for as long as I've known her, has a glass of champagne every night and that's it. Just one glass and she's perfectly happy. And I used to have an assistant that did the same thing. Every Friday night, she would have a glass of champagne. But for most people, things can be, maybe, and maybe even that alone is an addiction. I, it's funny when I was in, I remember spending a lot of time in Italy and Sardinia and there it, and at lunch, they would bring out these pitchers of wine and things and everyone would have a glass and it would perfectly normal and, or even two glasses. And, but they also have studied that even though people are drinking in a lot of these European countries, if you stop the alcohol, then they start going through all sorts of withdrawal and things. And so even though they're not getting drunk, that can be, and these are just things with alcohol. Alcohol, of course, is a depressant that can cause health disease and other things. A lot of the attorneys, by the way, that I do know that have died were using alcohol pretty hard. And so that's considered, it's actually the fourth leading cause of death. So it can be dangerous. But also for some people, it's not. But it, the problem is it can cause stress. It can hurt your productivity and all sorts of things and, and create problems for you. And I knew a lot of attorneys that drank very hard and still do, or if they're alive, but a lot of them have already had cancer. I knew one that had a liver transplant. I knew a couple that have had heart attacks. And, and so that's quite a few. I think a lot of this is just people that would go home and drink every night and, and then needed it to go to sleep or to kind of, kind of things. And again, I it's not maybe the alcohol that killed them, maybe it's the job, but at the same time, it's just something to, to think about. And again, I'm not poo-pooing people for drinking. Lots of people drink and are perfectly fine with it. But the problem is when you mix it with a very stressful job, it can actually help 
in the short run, but in the long run, the dangers are vastly outweigh the, the benefits. Of. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. And then uh, this is just law from billing practices may encourage people to be dishonest, which can, I saw, I've seen a lot of people that would pad their billing. I remember when I was practicing, there was a, an attorney in the office next to me. And every two or three weeks, I would hear him listening to the previous two or three weeks of voicemail because he never wrote down his time. So he would reconstruct his estimate of what his hours were based on that. And, and that was funny. And this example of that and uh, reconstructing his voicemail and he would just estimate them and then he would add time and things. And that's not necessarily the most honest thing. And then I've seen partners, of course, make up time that they didn't work at different firms and in terms of overbilling the client by tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, And which was funny because I remember when I was working in a a federal judge, I'd see people sentenced. They'd always have all these bank robberies and people would go to prison for 15 years for stealing $1,200 with a note and running away and getting caught five minutes later. And so you wonder that about that. And of course, I don't think most attorneys are dishonest. As a matter of fact, I think the opposite is true. I think most of them are honest. But but I know that a lot of people do pad their hours. And, uh, and I think that the problem is if you're dishonest, that people know they're being dishonest. And because they know they're dishonest, then, then they will hurt themselves. So there's benefits to being honest. If you, the benefits of being honest are people that tell, tell the truth and are good to others and act reasonably and are trying to do things. Those types of years are generally linked to better health and physical wellness and lower stress and decreased cellular aging because you feel better about yourself. And that ends up coming across in terms of how you do it things. And it's just how it works. It, on the other hand, uh, when you lie and you're selfish and you're cheating and, and you're doing bad things, infidelity or if it's bad for you, or and it, those can actually hurt and lie. That's bad. Most people think that being lying, being selfish, and infidelity are bad and cheating. But these can have adverse health effects, meaning a bad health rate, blood pressure, all sorts of things, and, and then it hurt you. Most people that I know that are dishonest and cheat, and it usually catches up with them somehow. It can catch up and not just getting caught, but they just create their, they punish themselves. I don't know what it is and if they have a conscience, and most people do. So again, the, if you're dishonest, you can hurt your brain, your body, your biology, a lot of things. And and then it can actually, in the long run, hurt you quite a bit. And so that's just something to think about. And that's the problem because a lot of attorneys are put themselves in a position where they're daily lying. And, and so about their bills, I mean, about their bills, but about their hours. And I think that can certainly catch up with you because if you're if you're lying there, it'll come over to other areas. And I think a lot of people, whether it's psychosomatic or whatever, will hurt themselves. And then this is just another thing about mental health and attorneys. I think that a lot of people that are in, if you say that you know, 25% of attorneys have health substance abuse problems, 60% of them are likely to have mental health issues, and nearly 40% of law students and criminal litigation attorneys, I don't know why it's criminal litigation attorneys, maybe it's because of the people they represent, but suffer from depression. That's Those are pretty high. 32% have major depression, 13.4% have anxiety disorders, and 146 have bipolar disorders. So 
These are really amazing numbers if you think about them. Rather than talk a lot about other things, there was a report here by Hazleton, I guess was 12,000, almost 13,000 people and, and found that 28%, 19%, 23% were experiencing symptoms of depression, I guess. 20% depression, 19% anxiety, and 23% stress. And the attorneys are 3.6 times as likely to be depressed as people in other jobs. If you're an attorney or a law student, one of the things I would recommend would be thinking about these numbers and what you can do to not be part of them, because that's not good. It's not if one third of attorneys have major depressive disorder, that's scary. And I've seen a lot of attorneys with mental health issues. I had one attorney once, it was pretty funny. It was actually, yeah, I guess it was funny. He was one of these people that build an incredible number of hours. Like he built 3,500 hours and, and his firm said, you build the most of anybody. We're going to give you, you got the highest bonus of all the associates. And it was only like 5,000 more than anybody else's, but he was very proud of it. And, and then I saw the guy a couple of years later and he was still working in the law firm. I don't know what happened to him, but he came over to my house and he was showing me all these websites that he started. And it was pictures of like giant earth movers and, and saying that he was, he had a mining company, but he didn't really have a mining company. He was trying to pretend he had a mining company because it was going to help him raise, I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but he, I had these huge companies all over the world and he'd come up and made up these websites and he he lost his mind. It was crazy. I don't know what it was. It was maybe a need to feel important. And he ended up not practicing law anymore. And and, and I've seen him a few times since then and, and he's not doing well. It's sad. I don't know what happened there. A lot of people in, in the legal environment, I think, want to feel important and, and they don't get that kind of feedback. And you know, they want to, I don't know, but they can create lots of mental issues. I knew one girl that it was a very good attorney, and but then she's anyway. She it's sad, and lawyers are often criticized or either yelled at, they're put down by clients, judges, and others. That sort of negative feedback is not helpful. Or and if you come into a law firm or the legal environment with a big ego and you think you're a big deal, most law firms will very quickly disabuse you of that. And then and then if that's what you relied on as a crutch your whole life, what do you have? And a lot of people are afraid of superior disapproval. Then FaceTime and working late at night and so forth, it does end up in some respects, you end up being like a prisoner, which is not necessarily the best. You're a prisoner to work. You don't have a lot of free time or sleep. Um, you're required to do all sorts of different types of work that may appear meaningless to you. And if it's not perfect, you can lose your job or bad things can happen. You're undermined by your colleagues often inside the firm and outside the firm looking to undermine you. So if you have a client and you're representing them, other attorneys will try to make you look bad to your client. And then if you inside your own firm, people are often competitive with you and creating issues. And, and even if you're a partner in firms, the same thing happens. And you're under stress if you to bring in business. And then you have to often uh, cover your back all the time. And, and you're forced to be part of a system where you may believe you need to be dishonest to have the most hours. And, and then you're constantly required to be professional. And, and then your spouses may have problems with them and be dissatisfied with you because you're not in the office. And a lot of attorneys, their spouses divorce them and because they'd rather have your money than spend, just not have you around or unpleasant when you're there. Then yeah, that's part of the problem, which is unfortunate. And um, Again, it's depressing me talking about it, but it's what it is. And then this is just stuff about lack of sun is very important. Attorneys spend a lot of their time indoors. You're under fluorescent lights in large buildings, and you often emerge at night. 
turn often get a lot less sunlight than they should. There's all sorts of problems that are related to not getting enough sun. The men are twice as likely to develop heart disease. It can also lead to vitamin D deficiency, which can cause breast cancer in women, prostate cancer in men, loss of memory, just schizophrenia and dementia. One of the things I would just say to everyone on this call that I'm not a nutritionist by any stretch of the imagination, but vitamin D is something that it can really help you if you suffer from lack of energy or depression or you're tired a lot and, and that sort of thing. It's often because of a vitamin D deficiency and, and sometimes B vitamins, but vitamin D is a big thing. It's very funny that I read a study that most people would be better off taking just vitamin D if they feel really run down and tired and depressed than they would be taking an antidepressant because it's actually more effective and takes care of the problem. But again, I don't know if that's true or not. There's other things also, other vitamins that can be very helpful, but vitamin D is a big one and it can create depression and mood swings and anxiety and all sorts of things. So it's just a recommendation to really make sure you do those sorts of things to, to help you. So the conclusions that it can be a challenging job and it can hurt you. And a lot of it is just, it's not necessarily large firms to do it, but it's the legal profession in general. The everywhere an attorney turns are often assaulted by forces that can cause mature aging, create health problems and that sort of thing. And it can be exhausting and it can be cruel, not only to your mind, but to your body. I the, One of the things that this presentation that should have probably encompassed and had is that my, my recommendation to everyone is that, that you need to really put your physical and psychological health first, no matter what you do. And there are attorneys in every large firm that do that and carve out time and make sure that it is a must. Certain things for certain people are a must. And that's not to say that you don't have to catch up on sleep on the weekends and other sorts of things, but you, my recommendation would be that you, you do make these things a must. And so if you don't, no one is ever going to tell you in a law firm to stop working so hard and to take better care of yourself. No one's ever going to tell you that you're, you're billing too many hours or that you're hurting yourself. And, and no one's ever going to tell you that you need a social social outlets groups. And no one's ever going to tell you to, to stop abusing substances in private or however you're doing it. No one's ever going to tell you these things. And, and so you need to, you really need to prioritize what you can do to, to make yourself a better person and that sort of thing. So Everybody that's ever become successful in anything has had, a, has had goals for themselves, whether it's Elon Musk or anybody. And they have goals and they have certain limits and must, and they make those a priority. Now, if your goal is to be a partner in a law firm or whatever it is, all these things you can do, but you also need to make sure that you take care of yourself along the way and that you have outlets for doing so. I, I'd like to be able to provide everyone the best possible advice, but there's certain things that I think are important for attorneys to, to keep in mind. One is you need to be doing work in, in an environment after your first five or six years of practice, meaning not right away, but after five or six years of practice, you should be in a job in an environment where you're looking forward to work and where the work is actually enriching you and not taking away from you. And if that's not the case, then you should think about what you're doing. So five or five or six years in apprenticeship, no one is going to tell an attorney, a doctor, for example, during a residency that it's pleasant working 24 hours a day. It's just how it works. 
your first five or six years of being an attorney are really about learning a skill. And that doesn't have to be pleasant. And I'm not saying it should be, but after five or six years, you should start thinking about being in an environment that's going to make you happy in the long run. And why I say five or six years is it takes about five or six years to become a good attorney and to, to learn whatever practice area and so forth that you're doing. And that can be in a law firm, but the practice setting also is something that, that makes a big difference. If you look at the kind of the lives that a law professor leads as opposed to attorney a big firm, it couldn't be any different. And most law professors would not be happy in the law firm, and but a lot of law firm attorneys wouldn't be happy being a law professor. You have to be in the right practice setting as well. So in terms of a couple of these things, you need to prioritize different types of aspects. You need to prioritize, I believe, I think that should be some point of everybody's should be doing. There should be some sort of outlet for that. Even if you're not an exercise type of person, you should do that. Most of the attorneys that I've known that, that didn't prioritize that ended up having a lot of problems or health problems and other things in the long run that there's no reason for. And so so you need to prioritize that. I think you need to prioritize sleep. I think you need to prioritize your diet to some extent and what's good for you. I think you need to prioritize making sure that your vitamin levels and things are, are okay and high enough. Uh, and I think that's important. I think everybody should be prioritizing your social relationships with other people and outlets. And I think that's important to be able to feel like you have a group of people that you can talk about things with and where you can share other experiences and that you're integrating that into your life. And I think you need to prioritize if you do have issues with substances, making sure that you do whatever you can to limit them or get them out of your life. And no matter how hard it is, I think that will also help your life. I think you also should prioritize prioritize your family and spending time with them and in those sorts of relationships. And then, and then also your psychological health. It's no surprise, by the way, that a lot of the most successful people out there, several that I know, always have, whether you call them professional coaches, which I have a professional coach that, that gives me insight into problems and things. And, and person happens to be an executive, a former executive, but uh, but everybody, you need outlets for people to talk to people about things. So some people, therapy, a lot of very successful people go to therapists and some of the most successful people do. I have tons of successful attorneys that contact me for coaching and things all the time. And I don't not really take clients, but, but they, they do. And that's a very smart thing. And you need some outlet where you can talk to people about your problems and get some perspective because most people suffer from the stuff alone or eat some up inside. And, and so I think you also need that. And there's other things. Things that are very helpful too. I think meditation can be very helpful. A lot of extremely successful people do that each day. And so I read articles all the time about very successful people doing that. So all these things need to be built into your, to your repertoire. And these are all skills. Becoming very successful in meditation will make you very successful in managing your emotion. Becoming very successful in getting off substances will make you more successful in groups of people and vacations and all these things. That's my advice. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because I've just seen so many people not manage this stuff well and and it's terrible for their families and for their for them and, and they suffer silently because of this stuff and it doesn't have to be that way and ultimately one of the final things that i would say is i think that so many people are so concerned about their egos and how they look to others and success and, and money and again all that stuff has a place and it does for a lot of people there's nothing wrong with being concerned about that but ultimately the only thing that you have is your mental health and your your psychological 
psychological, your happiness, your relationships with others and your physical health and, and your social connections. And, and very few people when they get older ever feel like they didn't spend enough time in the office. And, and most of the things that you'll be grateful for if you ever do gratitude lists and things about what to be happy about are going to be about other people and things are not going to be of possessions and achievements and things like that. So many people just suffer in silence and I did want to spend a little time talking about that today. So I'll take a quick break and then when I come back, I'll answer questions. My question, The questions, by the way, don't have to be about this because this is certainly not the happiest subject, but they can be about anything about your career or offers you're considering or anything like that. So I'll be back in just a few minutes. Here we go. Is there, this is a good question. Some of these are fun. Um, thank you, by the way, for everyone who's asking these questions. Okay. First question is, is there a way for trainers to protect themselves from the health risk associated with lack of sunlight? What could be done to ensure that they get a necessary amount of vitamin D and sun exposure? How can these professionals stay healthy despite spending so much time indoors? One of the things that's interesting is what are called a red light. So there's people, some people go to tanning tanning booths. It was funny. I was talking to, I was at a big firm years ago doing a, like talking about doing what is called a routine search. And I was asking about the head of the firm and I was like, what are his interests? And, uh, and there were a couple other people in the room and they all looked at each other and they said tanning, which a tanning bed, which I thought was funny, and a tanning bed in his house. And then I was actually working with another very successful attorney years ago and she had a tanning bed in her house, which I thought was funny. And again, I'm not, these are people in LA, so I don't know if it's that common, but and I think tanning beds are actually dangerous. But in terms in terms of tanning, there's something called red light therapy, which you can go and there's plenty of places that have them just like that. And they're in every big city and you can go into red lights and those are supposed to be very good. They give you the same benefits as sunlight without the health risk and just being outside. And I don't know a lot about the sun, the risk of not getting sun, but I do know that, that it's something that I think that a lot of people do that it can be very helpful. I recommend making that a lot, making that part of your kind of routine. So sometimes people will do things like they'll go and uh, maybe one hour a week or every month, we'll just go in someplace and do it. And it can be help. I think it's just helpful. I'm sure tanning beds do the same thing, but I think tanning beds have been shown to be pretty dangerous. And I don't know if maybe they're safe now. I don't know, but it can be very helpful. Okay. Can lawyers suffering from mental illness find success in their career? What measures can they take to manage their mental health concerns while pulling a successful career? Okay. So mental health, I'm, again, I'm not an expert in mental health. I think that there's, I wish I was, but I'm not. I think in terms of mental health, I think there's different aspects of it. Most of the time that I've noticed, I think that most successful approaches to mental health and most of the happiest people, it's not necessarily always related to whatever the type of deficiencies of serotonin. I don't know how it works, but I think a lot of it is just due to people's need to be around other people and to be happy. I, it's interesting because I, I work in Malibu and, and there's all these free centers and for not just for drugs, but for tired executives and everything. And, and they all basically, all they are is they, there's a lot to them and I'm not an expert in the recovery industry and I wouldn't even, but the major thing that everything does is just basically being around groups of other people and having other people to talk to and share with and get, learning lessons from others and that sort of thing. And, and it's the same thing that most types of recovery groups do, whether it's like AA or groups for people that have suffered accidents and other things. And it's all about having some sort of a support network, which I think the people traditionally would get from their families and then 
and even in their communities. And so I think if you feel like you're suffering, that a lot of times one of the best things to do is to figure out a way you can be around other people. Certainly there are drugs and things that can numb whatever stuff you're suffering from. And if you're schizophrenic, I don't know what's a problem for me, but definitely things need to be medicated. But in, in most cases, it's about most of the cures, I think, that are about figuring out how to have a support group and being around other people. And which is something that most attorneys don't do. And it's very difficult to do at work. It's also sometimes very difficult if you're in a small market or small towns, and that can be helpful as well. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. And also, if you feel like you're suffering from mental illness, I think you would, I would think that probably if you look at the statistics, I think most people to some extent are having, a lot of people are having issues. And I think you can, everybody can still be successful. I read stories about movie stars having, it's funny because I read the news and there are always stories about movie stars, all these people having meltdowns and then they're suddenly back. And so it's, I think that's no different than attorneys. Attorneys can have all sorts of problems and be back. And I was, I don't know, I was thinking about years ago, like Brad Pitt, like some crazy stuff he did. And then he's just got some new movie out, Bullet Train, and I was watching. And it's just people just come back after all these things. And a lot of them do, or most of them do, actually. And so I think if you feel like you're having problems or you've had problems, you can always come back. It's just, what do you do with a problem? And in most cases, for issues that you have, the solution is going to come from connecting with other people. And it will take work. It's interesting, like a lot of people, by the way, with substance abuse problems that are depressed will go to psychologists, psychiatrists and things. And really, a lot of times the problems are caused by the substance, not necessarily something else that needs help. Okay, what can an attorney do to maintain a good life balance with knowing the nature of the job? So the, to maintain a good life balance, all you need to do is you need to have priorities. Priorities are if you want to exercise each day instead of going out to lunch, you exercise during lunch and then come back and maybe you do lunch at your desk while you're working or something. You figure out a way or maybe you get up early, but you can definitely have a good work-life balance. Good work-life balance for some people. The reason that kind of has a bad connotation is when a lot of attorneys say that, it just means they don't want to work. But if you do want to work, actually having a good life, work-life balance with social activities and, and other things will actually make you much more effective as an attorney. You should strive to do that because you need to protect your physical and your mental health in order to do as well as in your job. Is it possible to become a lawyer if you have a history of mental illness? Yes, of course it is. You can definitely become a lawyer if you have a history of a mental illness. Most, if you have a history, it's no different than having having a history of physical illness. Of course, you can become an attorney if you have a history of mental illness. The issue is that a lot of things that used to be stigmatized are no longer stigmatized in society. And certainly mental illness is one of them because most people know others that have had mental issues and, and have cured them and fixed them. Most, I'm assuming most, again, I'm not an expert in any of this, but to the extent that things are fixable and can be corrected, it's perfectly fine. I've known lots of very high-performing people that had what would seem to be 
extremely serious mental illnesses that I'm thinking of several people I know that went to Harvard Law School and, and these kind of top schools and Stanford and other things. And then they were able to fix their problems with different types of methods. Sometimes it was medication, others it was other things. I think most things can, can definitely be fixed. There's nothing wrong with, I think, that things that I've seen people fix these things all the time. And it's not definitely stigmatized the way that it used to be. And when I say used to be, it's just not really at all. And frankly, one of the things, the people that stigmatize this kind of stuff are often the ones that have the most serious problems and just turn acknowledging them. Okay, so how can attorneys maintain a connection with others while avoiding vulnerability that could be used against them or their clients? Is it possible to be emotionally healthy without being vulnerable? Yeah, so there's professional, there's professional relationships and there's personal relationships. And professional relationships, you definitely do not want to talk about certain things. You have to be very careful. In professional relationships, you you don't want to talk about your sex life, your psychological issues, or your substance abuse, or your your relationship problems, or your those sorts of things. Those need to be kept out of the professional ground. And a lot of times, there's no guidelines for this. But if you talk about personal things, you typically, if you're sick, you say I'm ill. You don't have to say I have whatever STD or something. Just you have to be very careful about keeping boundaries between your different types of things you do. So you can definitely do that. But I just the difference between being professional or your professional persona and your persona, you have to keep that in mind. So yes, you can be emotionally healthy without being vulnerable, but you have to be very careful about that because if you bring up too much of your bring too much of your personal life into work, people get uncomfortable or people will potentially use it against you. And what would be, how do you, what kinds of things can be used against you? Just think about it. Your opinions about political matters can be either, could often be used against you. Your feelings about social matters can be used against you. Your feelings of, you just have to know what to do, but you do, you certainly can remain emotionally healthy there, but you do need a people where you can talk about uh, your types of things. Okay, here's a kind of interesting thing, question. And this question is, did you talk, point to an article about do's and don'ts for Christian attorneys or would you consider writing one yourself? Not right there. I, for, huh, I don't know of any articles about that, and I, but I do think it's an interesting point. I used to, I'm in Malibu, so I used to hire a lot of interns and from Pepperdine Law School, which is a Christian law school located in Malibu. And it was very interesting the way they approach problems. They would, as if they they weren't into necessarily hurting people, but bringing out the truth. I, I don't know. One of the funny things happened is I was, we had this article that we were writing for a kind of a news publication. I asked one of them to proofread it. And it was about a, it was funny because it was a legal article about an opera singer that was fired because she couldn't sing without passing gas or loudly because she had some sort of health problem. And um, so the Pepperdine attorney, our law student, changed it to be she couldn't sing a song without her health, without a health problem. So she removed all the stuff about the, the, that she was passing loud gas or something when she was singing. So it was funny that they tried to make it like they didn't want to make her feel uh, badly about herself. And I think that the, the idea would be that if you're approaching things from a certain point of view, it's not to say that a Christian w would approach this any differently than someone that's Jewish. And in, in the Jewish religion, there's a, a concept where you're not supposed to really talk negatively about people unless you're talking to them directly and a bit spreading rumors and things. So every religion has a versions of this. But if there's a way to do what you consider is the right thing, that's probably the best thing to do. Let me just see here some more questions here.
Okay, with the hectic and often unpredictable lifestyle of trainers, how can they maintain a healthy diet that contributes to the overall physical and mental well-being? The biggest, the biggest thing would just be to be aware of the and be a student of all this and understand that what you put into your body does affect the energy levels you have and those sort of related things. But even I think some of the healthiest food is actually found in New York and in the biggest cities like Los Angeles. So I think you can often find a lot of the most healthy diets there, even in carryouts. And I even 7-Eleven a lot of times has fruits and things, but understanding kind of what a healthy diet is, is important. Once you're able to do that, I think sticking around those lines. Again, I'm not a health expert, but I think one of the biggest things that, that does hurt people is sugars. And, and for a lot of people, meat's been linked to, and it's not maybe the meat that hurts them, but it's the hormones and things that are in meat is linked to things. So just trying to be careful with that. Okay. How can lawyers, this is a good question. Again, your diet, and there's some people go to nutritionists and things and just making it a priority. Okay. How can lawyers ensure their family still feel supported by long hours of the office? That's a great point. So the one of the things I think that's important is your ability to text your family and talk to them, call them, show interest in them, ask about them, how they're doing, sit down and uh, sit down with them each day and talk to them. That's very important and people want to give feedback. One of the things that, that I think is very important for all relationships, whether it's with a significant other or your kids, is a lot of times families would have dinner together and they would talk about something Obama always made sure to do when he was at the White House with his family, but other people will do it as well. But sitting down and spending time with your kids on an ongoing basis and asking them on a consistent basis, if even every night or as often as you can, several times a week, asking them about their day, how their week's going, understand what's going on, trying to show up to games, they're seeing all those sorts of things are very important. Even if you're away, just checking in with your family and seeing how they're doing is important. I think that a lot of times people lose that connection and then people believe that you don't care and that they believe you don't care, then they will find outlets elsewhere. So I think it's with children and with significant others, if you're not maintaining that connection, they're going to want, they're going to find someone that, that will maintain that connection with them, which be the wrong types of kids. It could be getting into sex and things earlier than they should. It could be social groups. Who knows? But the, that connection is extremely important. Okay, this is a funny question, but I'll answer this one. I'm not a funny, I don't mean it in a negative way. What is the, so what drives attorneys to so many lawyers work themselves to an early grave, sacrificing the physical health of success? I think a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere. The atmosphere of a law firm just sort of makes it because it's in the law firm's best interest to have you bill hours and do all these things. That's really a lot of it is that. And lawyers are taught to succeed and be the best in whatever group they go into. And so this is just another way that that kind of plays itself out. So I think that's one of the things that drives a lot of lawyers to do that. I think the desire, how they're seen by their peers, a lot of times people care very much about looking like a big deal in front of their peers and what their peers think of them. I had an interesting thing happen. I had a, yeah, a relative guy, I guess on Friday and just found out about it yesterday. And the person didn't want anyone to know that they had died. And so they left this note, don't tell anyone, don't. And so even in death, the person was almost protecting their ego from people not, I don't understand, but, and this is a distant relative. It wasn't someone someone I only met a couple of times. I thought that was very interesting. But I think a lot of it is just, you want people to say, oh, this person did this person did this. And people are care, care about what people think of them. And even when they get beyond the point where they care about what people think of them, they care about what they think of themselves. And they're motivated by competition. Certain people are just very motivated that way. And you almost have to be to become an attorney in a lot of firms because you need to be able to get good grades and get into the big firm and stay there and do good work. So 
I think that's what drives a lot of people to do that. I, I think it's just the nature of it and, and how it works and, and the emphasis on that. And, and law firms, of course, make money the more hours you build. So so they create an atmosphere where that is encouraged or where, where the opposite of that isn't. And that's just their role. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's just how it works. And I don't think there's anything more than that. Okay, I think this is the majority of the questions. I think a lot of people asked some good questions, and I certainly appreciate them. If no one has any more, I'm going to see here. There's a couple things that are just statements. Okay. Well, I think that's it. I certainly appreciate everyone's questions today. I think it was, uh, I hope the webinar was helpful just in terms of the questions, and I hope it helps. We'll be back again next week, and thank you, everyone, for the questions today, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.